I honestly do think that revenue operations is just sales operations rebranded. That hot take is from Daryl Alfonso, the Director of Marketing Strategy and Operations at Indeed. He shared at a recent live panel about the validity and future of RevOps. Of course, not everybody agreed with him. I think that it is the really the golden thread that connects go-to-market strategy and operational excellence. Through that, we reduce friction. I've been having this same debate in my head for a while, and it's time to get to the bottom of things. According to the 2023 LinkedIn Jobs on the Rise report, RevOps was the fastest growing career opportunity in the US. So is this an actual fad or is there merit to the demand? For some, it's just another glorified title for marketing ops and sales ops. And it's what it's always been is marketing ops and sales ops and people are just adding a new title to it. So have we really reduced mark ops and sales ops just into one role to kind of like save some cash? I'm Dan McGaugh, the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaugh. Our usual episodes feature a single guest and we talk about their biggest strategies and the stack that they're using to make it happen. But this time we switch things up and we have a live panel of guests with a more broad discussion about timely topics. And we'll be doing more of these more often. Today, I was trying to figure out how to tackle this rev ops versus marketing ops versus sales ops debate. So I brought together some of the best minds in the industry to duke it out and get to the bottom of things. First up, it was Ahmed. My name is Ahmed Chaudhary. I'm the Senior Director for Revenue Operations here at Data AI. About two and a half years in, prior to that, overall about 12 years of uh, revenue operations or sales operations um, experience. I've worked in companies like Eloqua, Firm Bay Early Days. To add a plan, I've been lucky enough to kind of go through two IPOs and an acquisition. So kind of extensive background in the space. We also had Daryl Alfonso from Indeed. Thanks for having me, uh, Daryl Alfonso. I've been in B2B marketing pretty much my whole career, uh, 15 plus years in marketing operations, worked at startups, scale-ups. This later stint of my career is focused on enterprise. So I, I was previously head of global marketing operations for AWS, l- really large um, Just a tiny little company. Organization. Tiny, tiny little <laughs> company. Yeah, I'm about six months into my job as Director of Marketing Strategy and Operations at, at Indeed.com, the world's largest job site. I also teach a course on marketing operations, if anyone's interested. I wrote a book on marketing technology last year. It's called The MarTech Handbook, available where books are sold. And I'm uh, really excited to dig into this revenue operations conversation. And lastly, Devin Pearson, the RevOps Consulting Leader here at McGaw. So Devin Pearson, Director of RevOps here at McGaw. I've been in some kind of an operational role for about 20 years. I was in-house for the first part of my career. Majority of that time spent with customer experience, sales, sales ops, led some sales development teams, marketing operations, started consulting around 2010, and uh, quickly went to the agency side, worked with about 10% of the Fortune 500 list over that career, and um, through that, done marketing strategy, revenue process modeling, lead management, SMA, created some demand centers, technology implementations and optimizations, pretty much anything end-to-end from process and strategy. I've seen it and I can probably talk to it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Devin's done some pretty cool stuff with some pretty cool companies. So again, thanks so much, everybody, for being here. Just to kick us off, I know this talk title that we had for this is like revenue operations. What is it? But who cares? I guess I'll look at Ahmed, like from your perspective, what is RevOps? Like, how would you define it? Because I think there's like 36 definitions on Wikipedia already about it. 
I think um, I would be the 37 definition because I have my own definition. In my opinion, it was sort of uh, built out in the, in the SaaS area, right? Ultimately, what it became was that you needed to kind of have a function where you, you just kind of have a pulse on all the different operational areas, right? That was one area. So it's a cost-saving measure. And the other part of it is that visibility across marketing, sales finance, and all the other sort of core section of sales operations. So how can you sort of break the silos, right? And then have a view, what I call it is the one view of the truth, right? What does that really mean, right? So if you kind of look at the go-to-market team and look at all the different areas in the go-to-market team, and that's the value that you're getting out of it, the analytics, the sales, the process, all of those different items, when you kind of string it along and trying to paint the story, what you see is dependencies across multiple different teams. That's sometimes outside of your control. Let that be marketing operations. Let that be uh, sales finance. Let that be data operations, right? Your data warehouse, if you're big enough, business applications, right? All those different teams, if you kind of look at it, all those teams, are you're dependent on it. So for you to react to a request or a view or a sort of a vision, it's a process. So over the last two and a half years, I was able to consolidate a lot of those different areas and bring it under the revenue operations team. I could tell you that two and a half years ago, when an executive asked for a report on my first day, actually they did, one of them, and it took me 24 hours to turn around a report. Right now, we have gotten down to about like less than 30 seconds, right? Just, you know, a very basic marketing funnel analytics, right? So there is definitely a value that you get out of it, but the bigger you get it, it's obviously harder thing to maintain, obviously, right? And now obviously different businesses have different needs. So you have to kind of structure around that. So that's just my two cents of it at a high level. No, I love it. It makes a ton of sense. You know, I think one of the things I kind of took out of that and the way that I think about it is like a problem that we used to have is marketing sales, product and customer success. We're all kind of in their own silos and RevOps really brought together marketing, customer success and, uh, excuse me, sales and kind of made it so that there was more alignment there. And reporting is one of those key things. I guess, Daryl, when you think about what Ahmed has said and as well as some of what I had talked about, I guess from your perspective and what you've seen, how have you really classified RevOps or as we have talked in the past, glorified sales ops? I've been part of many successful companies in the past and we did not have a revenue operations organization. And somehow we, we figured it out. I think that one of the dangers that I see is this sort of, hey, let's solve our organization's alignment problems by just grouping people together. And that really is sort of ignoring uh, some of the fundamental alignment silo and, to be honest, leadership issues at, at the company. If your company has a, has a mission aligned goals, metrics. I'm a big fan of the OKR framework, by the way, but there's also the V2Mom framework from Salesforce. If you have those top to bottom down, doesn't matter where your, your team reports to. One other thing that I will say is like, I honestly do think that revenue operations is just sales operations rebranded. And here's the thing. This happens a lot in sales too. You ever meet salespeople and their title is like business development or like, partnerships or like strategist, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, they're carrying a bag and they're salespeople. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. You should be proud 
of being in the sales profession and, and being an account executive and closing business for your company. You don't have to like cover yourself with a new name like business development. Sales not business development. You're not like expanding the business into new markets and stuff like that. You're selling. And I think it's the same with sales operations. That's a great profession. There's so much to be done and so much great work that you can do to drive the business forward with sales operations. You don't need to call yourself something else. So I know it's a hot take, but sharing my opinion. Now, let me, can I, can I uh, chime in here? If you don't Absolutely. Mind? To be honest, you have a great point. And this is where, in my opinion, it's a uh, company to company sort of viewpoint of this, right? Like why RevOps framework matters or could work and some companies it couldn't. One of the areas that if you kind of look at different marketing organizations, one of the things that you would see is uh, CMO and their strength, right? If they're coming from PR-based, more creative side of things as opposed to demand gen and what have you, then you have a different approach. So over my career, I've seen that transition. So it's really where the focus is from the CMO perspective. And if they're more creative, then you need more structure. Marketing ops could drive that, right? No doubt. But alignment with sales is uh, I've seen sales and marketing then work well together in terms of process and and reporting and what have you um, on that sense. Now, if it's a demand gen led CMO, back off. I'll back off. It's not about a land grab thing from sales operations to revenue operations. Not that right for me. It's does it work or not? Are we aligned on the same processes and just like an alignment from go to market perspective? But I agree with you. But it's not that definition of, you know, sales ops is a glorified right revenue also what have you. I don't think that applies to every single lower, especially mine. Well, I definitely know there's your shots fired, right? So like obviously that's <laughs> meant to stir the pot on that one, right? So but Devin, I guess somebody who I know who has helped tremendously with sales ops and then as well as now leading RevOps, right? You're leading some massive implementations even at our company. And then before you even came here, you'd crushed it on major, major counts, right? I guess from your perspective, what is RevOps? And then is it really a glorified sales ops person? I don't think it is. I think that it is the really the golden thread that connects go-to-market strategy and operational excellence. Through that, we reduce friction, right? I think that one of the major roles that a revenue operator should play for a business is to understand how to eliminate the friction between marketing and sales. I mean, let's not pretend that there isn't a giant silo between those two teams always forever. So we have to understand what the drivers are on the marketing ops side, understand what, what salespeople care about and make sure that we align around that, have common goals and common processes and make sure that we're doing that in the most efficient way possible through documented process and strategy. One of the things I, I always hang my hat on with RevOps is I see revenue operations, major challenges, complex business challenges trying to be solved with technology and software. And that isn't how you solve complex business problems. You solve complex business problems with strategy and process. Technology is how you operationalize that. So I think that revenue operations really has to play that middle ground between both of those cross-functional revenue teams to make sure that everybody's speaking the same language and driving in the same direction. Without process and strategy, you can't do it. Devin makes a great point about tools not being able to solve problems on their own. Processes solve problems. Tools are just helpful when you have a solid process. 
That's why it's so crucial to get the process right. For me, I always tell people tools make things worse if you have a bad process. At McGaw, we try to do as much as we can in products like Excel, Google Sheets, and even Google Docs to build the process before ever adding tools. You need to get the people actually doing the process before you go pick a tool. If you have a shit process and you add tools to automate things, all you do is make things exponentially worse. And this is not what you want. This is kind of where RevOps has come in. Their job is to sit across departments and figure out the right process and then operationalize it in tools. You know, RevOps has seen this crazy upswing, right? LinkedIn said it was a job on the rise and one of the fastest growing in the job market. Well, I think that's somewhat bullshit as like only this is based on LinkedIn data, which is kind of tilted in a certain direction for a certain type of company. You know, if we saw all of the Indeed data as well and as well as ZipRecruiter, it might kind of change like what is the fastest growing role. But for some companies, they are saying that this is kind of a legit position. But the big question that people have is like, what the hell does a RevOps person do at my company? Or what exactly does a RevOps person actually work towards? I think the problem we have in most organizations is that marketing, sales, product, and customer success are in their own silos. RevOps is kind of seem to be the savior to bring more alignment and break down the silos and have better reporting. Personally, though, I'm not really seeing it totally pay off. And I see a lot of different companies in the way they run their stacks and the way they run their operations. While I see the value in revenue-based operations, I have yet to fully join the RevOps bandwagon. I still see a lot of shortcomings in how companies are staffing this role and the poor expectations they put on these people. However, looking at RevOps, not so much as its own team, but a connective tissue between revenue generating departments, now that's where it gets a little bit more interesting and as well as possibly actually works. The last thing I'll mention though, is that RevOps cannot own the full stack for marketing, sales, product, and customer success. I see the C-suite all the time trying to put all of this on the VP of RevOps or the director of RevOps and have them own CDP or product analytics or the lifecycle marketing tools or more. Operations folks are usually not analytics people and working with someone like McGaw who actually specializes in the full stack and not just the operations component is much more realistic when you need to create organizational alignment around the stack, the customer data and the outcomes you need to get this right. Just go check out stackbuilder.com and see how complex your stack is. I promise you this, the RevOps people aren't gonna understand all of it and that's where things get really, really complicated. Let's get back to this panel and hear a little bit more about some of the actual tangible goals and objectives. And we'll start with Ahmed. I think ultimately, um, we failed to look at this. We are revenue focused 100%, right? Efficiency is another one, right? Uh, those are cliche and, and, and 50,000 foot, like, you know, level answers, but like go down one level deeper, right? It's what we are focused on data AI is that number one is reducing the friction. And I'll give you one quick example. I think that this could resonate and help my argument a little bit more. We have been working on this massive, massive, massive project on territory and segmentation. How we score from intent to fit and get that out to the sales team, right? But there is another piece of it that how do you take that information and then actually market to that, right? So there's demand gen part of it. There is actually sort of taking that scoring, MQL scoring, all of those. So if we were to do this in silo, two different groups, hey, here's my segmentation model, right? Marketing, we rolled it out. Market would take typically, right? Key accounts and then try to do something with it. But what we are doing is sort of driving that all the way through the entire engine to execute 
so we can drive top of the line revenue. So that's just a, a quick example of it. But going back to your question, what are some of the, the, the key areas? It depends on your charter of your revenue operations. And my org right now, what we have is our key pillars are obviously business intelligence, business applications, and then data operation. That's sort of the engine right behind sort of the analytics. So that's in, in one house. Then we have marketing operations. We have field operations and strategy. We have uh, go-to-market uh, PML and deal desk. So every group has their charter. The charter is really aligned to go-to-market. So that's where I kind of talk about if you have a go-to-market vision, then every single group has to have the charter objectives aligned to that vision. And then from there, we build out our sort of the OKRs for the quarter. That's the process that we are going. So bottoms up perspective, you have execution layer, right? You have the objectives, the strategy, whatever you want to call it, and then the vision that needs to tie up. So that's how we operate and we have been successful at it here in data AI, right? And it's been paying off so far. I love it. So I guess like if every company and Devin, I'll turn to you because naturally you see this cat across a lot of different places, right? So I guess like my curiosity is when you see those common goals that all of these people who are hiring RevOps people, and they probably haven't even come up with going to Ahmed's point, their charter, right? What are the goals that you see most RevOps leaders have or need to be focused on? So that way, some of these people who are hiring the most in demand role for the year, even though they don't know what they're hiring for, what are those goals? maximizing the potential of every single client interaction that drives trust and value through the sales cycle. And what that means from a go-to-market strategy, like we understand that the crossover between marketing operations and sales operations is really the handoff of the customer journey at a certain stage. We have to maximize that because if, if we don't do that handoff correctly, no matter where it is in that process, you're going to leak value and you're going to lose revenue all, all over the place. So, being able to have that objective view and take a big step back and understand from a process perspective what's broken where, then be able to put your finger on it and say that this is going to have the biggest swing. And you hear me talk about this a lot, Dan, right? The power of 2%. If I can have a 2% swing on that conversion rate over here and have a 2% conversion rate here and here and here to a large enterprise company, that means millions, sometimes billions of dollars in catch revenue. But without that process in place, you're going to lose that amount of money consistently until you fix it. But without understanding where that crossover is and where those blended roles really do hook up, it's kind of an impossible feat. And that's what revenue operations does. So I think that, you know, maximizing the potential of customer and prospect and client interactions, uh, reducing the friction, like I said, but then being more specific, you know, increasing LTV, decreasing and protecting CAC and, you know, creating that alignment. And alignment can be a fuzzy thing. It's kind of subjective. So being able to have metrics and key performance indicators around what alignment means for your team. I think that those are really the top things that a leader should be caring about from a RevOps standpoint. Mm, I like it. I guess like when I hear some of this, uh, what I hear back is like a chief of staff that runs sales, marketing, and customer success and like oversees these individuals. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that's an oversimplified thing, but I guess, Daryl, I'd be curious, like when you think about like where RevOps is now telling you how to optimize your process for the customer experience. You know, I guess like in most cases, marketing ops for me doesn't really care about the customer experience. That's not what marketing ops is focused on. They're more caring about the processing of the data, the processing of the lead scoring. So I'm interested to hear your contrast. I mean, I don't think that's true at all. I think that that's a poor marketing ops team that's not considering customer experience. But just to comment on like some of the previous ones, you know, uh, I heard that too. Revenue operations is the top 
job. And that really reminds me of like ABM, you know, a couple of years ago where it's like, wow, everybody, ABM, we all, we all got to do ABM. It's the most popular thing. You are and good. Then, Shots fired. You are so then good. All, oh, of wow. sudden, all of a sudden, everyone started to realize, oh, shoot, that's just good sales and marketing, period. Like, it's not really anything. So I see the same sort of hype cycle for revenue ops. It's a six-year hype cycle. <laughs> at, at some point, hype cycle goes away. It's not a hype, right? There's some truth to that, right? Like, sorry, I cut you off. But, uh, you know, I'm fine with that uh, narrative, right? I get it. It's one area is operated well, one, you know, there are good revenue ops and then bad, just like marketing ops, right? So can you give me a little bit more specific on that one, right? Like, why do you really think it's a hype, right? That's what I'm trying to understand, right? And I'll, I'll kind of kick it off in, in one direction that I was thinking about, right? Does it take you away from the alignment that you need from demand gen, right? By being in demand gen or product marketing or uh, from the CMO direction, does that take you away from being under uh, revenue operation? Is that like one of the reasons, just like the, the alignment? Or is it a completely different thing that like, you know, it's, it's a poorly run team. I'm trying to get to that difference. Okay, I actually think there's a larger thing at play here that I actually wrote an article on. And uh, I wrote this article last year and I said, we're in a revenue bubble and it's about to burst. Here's, here's what I meant. There's this big move from all across industries to start organizing around revenue. And at first it was a good thing because I think there was a lot of inefficiencies. I think there was a lot of fuzzy metrics and fuzzy things that businesses were doing that, that wasn't really like moving the needle. So it started to go well. And then it was just an overall over-indexing on everything around revenue to the point where everyone starts to look the same, the teams start to look the same. And there's some key things that fall through the cracks when you, all you think about is revenue. And in the article, I said, I said these things. Uh, here, here are some examples. Brand doesn't translate great to revenue. Community efforts and initiatives should not be revenue-focused, right? Tying community, which is a really big marketing channel or, or marketing strategy at this point today, if you try to tie community to revenue, your community is going to go away. They can smell the inauthenticity. And then around the customer experience and the product, you know, a lot, there's a lot of product-based things that if you really think just revenue, you make some poor product decisions, especially in the long term. And I think that for these reasons, the overall, and I think revenue operations is part of this overcorrection to move to revenue. And my call to the industry was, let's dial it back. Let's recognize the unique values that these different groups drive, align around a common set of mission and objectives, and work together like a company should without the need to report to a CRO, report to a VP of revenue operations. I mean, it's fine if you do it that way, but I think that there's a real danger around revenue being the sort of holy grail as to what you're trying to get to. Got it. And, and many organizations nowadays, are, this is something that I've seen across the board. And then love to hear from you as well, because what you see in the, this area, that I, I tend to see CROs actually are also running organization. I mean, as big as like App Dynamics, for instance, right? They really didn't have a CML, just they reported into the CRO, right? And in many cases, CROs just drive the marketing directions. What's your thought on that one? Because that could dictate how revenue ops are created as well, right? Under one umbrella. 
it's funny. I've worked with more CMOs than I have with CROs when doing revenue operations projects at large enterprise companies. So whether that's representation of the role clarity or the way that the hierarchies are made or, or I, Daryl, like, I totally agree with what you just said. I think that the focus on the word revenue is probably a miss because it isn't all about revenue. Like how, how I just described revenue operations is creating or reducing friction in, in customer journeys and in selling journeys and buyer's journeys, right? Like none of that is really tied directly to increasing a revenue number at the end of the day. What that does is it, it decreases or it speeds up velocity. So that way you can get to that end game faster, but you have to go back to that, you know, really celebrating the customer doing and doing good work. I agree. I see that as an assembly line. There's a start and middle and, a, and an end, right? And, and what you're saying is that alignment on that. Right now, if I look at the finished product, sometimes I just don't see, hey, is that the finished product good enough, right? Now, there's a scalability thing, right? Like, can you go and do this in a, in a bigger company, right? Like, you know, have the whole entire end-to-end org? No, probably not, right? And you, w- you would need to break it apart. But there is a value of revenue operations and, and, and how it works, right? Once again, focusing on revenue, you ask a finance guy, they're, they're going to laugh at your face, right? And you ask a marketer, it's like, well, that's not it, right? But if you kind of look at it from end-to-end perspective, right, I think there is an absolute, like, such a good value that you get out of it, right? I think to a certain point, but especially when you have challenges, right? Like, I won't say one of the things that I mentioned was marketing leadership perspective, where are the strengths and weaknesses? Is there a gap in communication? Do you have the key leaders in place or not, Right. And then overall, what Devin said, right? It's really sort of tying in all the different parts of it from customer journey to buyer journey and the top of the funnel, right? The life cycle all together end to end. Then when you kind of roll it all the way up, right? If you want to run an operational cadence on top of that with the numbers, right? Do you have the one view of the truth? That's where revenue operation should function. Now, it's been just branded, right? Like, you know, you take a typical sales operations, you call it revenue operations. I think it has lost its right over the last six or seven years. That's what I think. If you're a RevOps leader, the primary goal is improving revenue predictability, increasing sales velocity, reducing customer acquisition costs, and optimizing the customer lifetime value. By breaking down the silos like we talked about last time, improving the processes, and also utilizing the right tools, RevOps can transform your business, drive a better customer experience, and increase revenue. Now, we've had some fantastic insights from our experts, but we also received some questions from our live audience. So let's address a couple of those questions right now because we wanted to fill them in. One of the questions was, how do process optimizations impact unit economics? So in our opinion, creating a clear lead management and revenue process identifies the areas of friction and you need to eliminate them. If you have good KPIs and you review them monthly with a steering committee, it ensures that you have proper governance over those KPIs. If you're then able to layer on the optimizations and prove that it has increased efficiency, reduced costs, or overall better conversion rates, you're going to, of course, be able to prove and show how you've reduced the unit economics in the areas you need to or increased them in other places where you need to. 
To be honest, though, most companies don't really have true unit economics. They focus more on conversion rates, return on ad spend, or lifetime value, or CAC. So one, talking about unit economics, in a lot of cases, does not actually apply completely to RevOps. Just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Who the fuck knows? So the next question we had was, is how can you actually prove the value of RevOps with data? So when you want to prove the value of RevOps, you do need to model your conversion rates and think about your lifetime value or your average order value to quantify the improvements. Showcasing the power of a 2 or a 5% improvement in these metrics highlights the significance that RevOps is driving revenue and growth through customer acquisition or even customer retention. But you have to look at it this way. It's kind of just like marketing. You have to look at the funnel, find the conversion rates in each step, and then showcase how aligning marketing, sales, product, and customer success will actually have an improvement on the throughput of that funnel. So it's just like funnel optimization, right? You have to be able to look at that. The benefit is, is that you're able to see across the whole funnel. Kind of reminds me of the good old days when we had these things called growth hackers. Their job was to sit across the full funnel and find optimizations. Not gonna lie, also kind of happy that we killed that term. You know, as with everything, marketers ruined the term because they overused it. Everybody was a growth hacker. It didn't matter what you did. If you were the janitor, you were the growth hacker, right? So happy that term kind of died. Either way, we had another question from Michael. He asked, is it really possible to optimize the full customer lifecycle without having either RevOps or a center of excellence? Daryl kicked us off on that one. So... Each of you may have like an evolved definition of revenue ops or the revenue ops that you wish it could be, right? I want to read a couple of things. I I, I did a little bit of prep for this. Thank you. When you you. look up revenue operations, and this is is live on the interwebs as we speak, this is from Salesforce. The problem, disconnected quote-to-cash processes create tension between sales and finance. The solution brings sales and finance together around one revenue process and shape it around the customer. So that's from Salesforce. Nothing about marketing. Nothing about... That, that's a CPQ play. That's a CPQ play. I was going to say, that's Salesforce selling their <laughs> magic right there. And then we've got uh, one other example, again, currently live, is HubSpot's RevOps certification. Here's the agenda. Intro to revenue ops, holding your team accountable for SLAs, how to map a sales process, communicating the value of RevOps and evaluating, iterating your RevOps strategy. It sounds like sales ops. That's sales operations. <laughs> so wh- while I think that you're all bringing up some good points, I think the truth is the majority of, of you know, businesses out there are viewing revenue ops in the wrong way. They're saying that it's a rebrand of sales operations. And I think that one of the things that like, you know, I was just like so upset about this. I saw this earlier this article that someone wrote, it was like, how to evolve your marketing operations into revenue operations. Like we're some sort of like Pokemon, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like my beginner form is marketing ops, and now I'm going to evolve now into a greater (laughs) species called revenue ops. Um, Welcome to the dark side. I think that's what makes me so upset about the issues and uh, not liking the direction that it's going. To be honest, I mean, that's just page fillers for me. And 90% of the time, if you type in, I've seen this, right? Like, you know, Sometimes you're looking for research items, you know, putting together a go-to-market, like sort of presentation, you kind of do some research. And I see this and I get this art and right, like I specifically saw the Salesforce one that you're talking about. I was like, okay, they want to sell CPQ, right? But there's a different definition. If it's done the right way, then you get a value out of it. That's my point. 
it is as important as like, you know, for me to own sales finance, it is as important for me to, as, to run, run data operations, because once I kind of tie in each part of those stories together and it's under my control, that's how I see it, right? Like I can stitch the stories together end to end to end, right? And have that review process essentially, right? So it's just, just not the orchestration of this. There's so much, so many different layers. There's the operational cadence, right? The leaders have to be aligned. There's just so many different layers to kind of go through. But if we can execute this right, that has been my goal for two and a half years, right? Is uh, alignment with our leadership, right? In terms of how you want to do this. Because, you know, it's very seldom you kind of walk into an organization, you know, all of a sudden own half of IT or work on half of IT infrastructure. And then and then at the same time, you're working on that deal desk, right? So. I had to prove it, right, in terms of the value. And the, Dan has been a big part of it, right? Like, my God, Team DeForest to kind of drive the story together. Again, it all comes down to alignment. RevOps is the answer to your problem caused by silos. Personally, I understand the value. I'm simultaneously a marketer and a salesperson at McGaw, so because I have both hats on, I'm able to basically understand how this works. I can see how silly it would be to assume that you have to be one or the other and how both of these things would need to work together. RevOps is forcing more people to think like that. If only marketing and sales could have teamed up earlier. Still, you just can't take a sales ops person and give them basic marketing operations training and expect them to be a successful RevOps leader and vice versa. RevOps has to become its own thing. And for it to work, you truly have to have 50-50 in both worlds, but understand product and also understand customer success. So it's really not just about marketing and sales. In the modern stack though, a RevOps person really needs to understand analytics and business intelligence. That said, RevOps is still an emerging role, and as an industry, we're still kind of figuring out what it is. Right now, the role is pretty malleable, and given that every company is unique like a snowflake, the function of RevOps within each company is also unique like a snowflake, so they're not all the same. Really, your RevOps leaders should be chosen based upon the stack that they have experience with and the stack that you have at your company. Don't get me wrong, other experience matters, but if you're using Salesforce Marketing Cloud and they only know how to use Braze, it's going to take them a lot longer to be effective with leading the team that's ultimately running Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Now, I'm not saying if they don't know your stack or know all your tools, you can't hire them, but you really do need to look at your stack and look at their experience and see if they can actually run that type of thing. In the final bit of the panel, we had a lightning round and what exactly those skills are that you need to have to be a RevOps person. Devin kicked us off. First and foremost, I think that you have to be a problem solver. And that might sound like a like a silly thing to do, but I think that one of the one of the things that has um, made me quite successful in my career is I'm scrappy and I just can figure it out. And I'm not afraid to have good ideas and I'm not afraid to have bad ideas. Um, I think that another skill that um, a director of revenue operations has to have is they have to understand the lexicon from both sales and marketing and be able to make those two things match up somehow, right? Because marketing and sales definitely speak two different languages sometimes. And a lot of the times when we go into these large enterprises, Dan, we when we get into discovery calls, we, we have two different sets of teams. They're all speaking the same language, but they're speaking it differently. And so being able to understand um, what the other one is saying, super important. And then you have to be a technologist. You have to have some kind of an idea how these systems that you're going to be be working and your team's going to be working actually work, 
right? Um, you have to understand CRM systems. You have to understand marketing automation. You have to understand GA, GA4. You have to be able to understand routing rules. You have to be able to at least fundamentally understand how these things work or you're going to set your team up for failure. I like it. And I think you're definitely uh, very spot on there. I, I guess I'll turn to uh, Daryl next and uh, Hav Ahmed. Maybe you cap us off at the end there. Daryl, what do you think about the skills and RevOps that would help make you more successful? I think I'll take this opportunity to give you an, another analogy. Sorry, I have like all this, all this stuff that I want to say. <laughs> Here's like a funny example that I thought. Let's say you have like a product, you have a product team, and then you have like HR. You have like very similar goals, like product wants talent to build great products and HR wants to fill up those positions. But sometimes they just don't get along and the pipeline of candidates is, is not good. So how should we solve this? A revenue op structure would be saying something like, well, let's combine the two organizations together, product and HR. We'll call it product and HR ops, right? Now they're aligned. You see how now organizing into structures doesn't just solve problems, right? The true way to address these things is to have leadership and the teams meet regularly and just have really open conversations around the mission and the goals and how each people contribute. So I know that wasn't really the answer to your question, what skills you need for revenue ops? I'll leave you with this. If you're working in a business and it's for profit and you don't have an eye on revenue, then you're not a good business professional. You don't need to name your team revenue in order for everyone should know that without revenue, your business dies and you get laid off. You don't need to like have revenue as the holy grail or organize everybody into revenue to solve that problem. You just need a bunch of smart business professionals working together, aligned under the same mission and same goals. Great. I think I'll probably go on on the term now. It's a go-to-market operations. Uh, Daryl, are you going to be good with that? (laughs) Go-to-market operations. (laughs) I'm open. I'm open. Okay, got it. You know what I mean? At at Um, least we we drove some alignment. He's not (laughs) closed-minded here, okay? He's open to new ideas. He just doesn't accept them. (laughs) Uh, No, I get it. I get it. No, um, I think for what a successful leader in revenue operations or uh, go-to-market operations, I should say, should have, right, to be successful. I agree with every single person what they said, right? So I'm not going to repeat that. What I, I will say is that if you have had the chance, if you haven't worked in at least like, you know, half of these functions, right, then there is a big uphill climb. I was lucky enough because I, I'm, I'm old and I've kind of worked through many different uh, functions. I've worked in marketing operations. I've worked in sales finance, deal desk sales strategy and like all these different functions. I've kind of worked through it over my career. So I definitely have a perspective and that's why I'm able to, I think, stitch it together and have a story behind it, right? But it's not the case all the time. And I, I really don't want anyone to kind of go in and like, you know, role, call them director of operations and they just have done, got out of their Harvard MBA and they have just done consulting work and I'm, uh, that's not going to work, Right. So there is a level of experience that you do need to kind of execute this at the right way. So I'll, I'll say that. Hey, the fact that old is one of the things you threw out there, I think was perfect. I think it's, it, RevOps is like fine wine. It gets better with age. I think this is perfect. Wow, that was a lot. Ahmed, Daryl, and Devin were crazy insightful and knocked it out of the park. While the panel didn't come to 100% agreement on what RevOps is or how you make it work for your business, we were able to get one thing that remains. 
RevOps is still evolving and it's an important part of many companies. From my perspective, the term is still kind of all over the place and people who end up being the most successful in this position are the ones who are going to take the time and actually understand analytics, CDP, and as well as the modern data stack, right? Verse ETL and the composable CDP or the not or the all-in-one CDP, all these things. I realized that like you need to use data in your stack and ultimately use all of that data to run the business. So you have to make sure that you understand these things if you want to run the go-to-market strategy for one of these big companies. That means getting familiar with tools like Segment CDP or Amplitude Analytics or even Census for reverse ETL, just to name a few. That's what I've got for today. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss my upcoming interview with FanDuel. Super, super exciting what they did for the Super Bowl. And if you want to join our next live panel, go check out magal.io and go to our resources section and you can sign up for something else in the future. Thanks for coming. I'm Dan McGaw and I'll catch you next time. Bye.